Good to see each one this morning. If you have your Bible, turn to the book of Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah. I want to ask the question this morning, based upon a word picture that God gave to Jeremiah. And my question I want to address this morning and I want to answer this morning is simple. Has America become a dirty girdle? Now you look at that and you say, what do you mean by a dirty girdle? When you study the Old Testament, especially the prophets, there's so many similarities between the nation of Israel and the United States of America that really it's kind of frightening. Now what I'm talking about is not the blessings of Israel. I'm not, I'm not saying that you know the, the similarities with the blessings of Israel are there. Rather, I'm talking about the sins of Israel, and I'm talking about the judgment which followed upon the nation of Israel. Now this morning, I want to look at the prophet Jeremiah, and I want to take a look at the word picture that God gave him concerning the nation of Israel and the warning of judgment that was to come if they failed to repent of that sin and turn back to God. Now, they had, by their idolatries and by their sins, they had mingled among the nations, and they were so corrupt, and they had gotten to the point that they were good for nothing. They no longer served God. They no longer worshiped God. They went through the motions, but that was about it. We as a nation, church, are going down that very same path, and if we do not learn from the mistakes of Judah... We're going to end up just as they. We're going to be so far from God as a people, not only will we not even recognize God in the words of God and the things of God, we will no longer even hear the voice of God as the Spirit of God is calling us back. Now, Friday morning was the darkest day in America in my lifetime when it comes to our great nation turning uh, from God and turning to sin, and thumbing our noses in the very face of God. Now, online, for those of you who are online, you're on Facebook or some other social media, you have probably seen people online, Christian people, blaming Judges Sotomayor, Kagan, Ginsburg, Breyer, and Kennedy for changing God's design for a marriage and, and allowing what God himself uh, uh, designed for them to change it and make it become law within our nation, making what God calls an abomination to become law. And you say, if it wasn't for those five judges. Look, before we go any further, I want to address one thing. To pastors and churches who may be viewing this sermon online. So let me just take just a moment, because we have a number of people who view our services online. There's people in California. I noticed this past week we even started people in Delaware and all points in between. So let me just take a minute before I go any further and I want to, to just say a word to the pastors and the churches out there. I lay the blame for where we are as a nation squarely on the shoulders of our churches and our pastors who are afraid to speak truth in order to not offend anyone and possibly lose members over. Pastors, we've got to wake up. 
We've got to stop being afraid of speaking the truth so as to not offend no one. Let me tell you something. We're living in a day and a time that people get offended over anything and everything. I will offend some before I get through here this morning. I probably already have. But we're living in a day, pastors, we're living in a day, Christian people, that people are going to get offended. People get offended if they break the law and they get arrested. They say, that should not have happened to me. People get offended, you know, over a man working his hand end off and, and making something of himself, having a nice home and a nice savings account. People get offended over that. People get offended over guns and they think that we should stop making guns and we should stop selling guns and everyone who owns a gun, you know, is a killer somehow or another. People get offended over the, care of the, the Confederate flag as if it's a racist symbol or something. And, then, and, and, and they think stores should stop selling them. They think that, you know, people should stop buying them. They think they should stop flying them. Look, pastors, people are going to get offended over something and you can't avoid everything, especially the things that the Word of God speaks on. Pastors who avoid speaking on what God calls sin and Christians who get offended over what God calls sin is the problem in our nation today. That is the problem. It's not these five liberal judges. It's not the, person, uh, the people who brought the lawsuit. The problem lies in the United States of America today within the four walls of our churches. Blame whoever you will, but understand... Judgment is going to come upon this nation as a result of the complacency of the people of God. And where will judgment begin? According to 1 Peter 4 and 17, Peter said this, For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. Folks, the judgment of God is going to begin at the house of God. Peter went on to say, And it first began at us, and it shall end uh, be of them that do not obey the gospel of Christ. Now, let's see God's warning to the nation of Israel as a result of the nation turning from God to sin and what we can learn from the dirty girdle from the prophet Jeremiah. Let's begin with verse 1 and 2. First of all, God's love for his people was shown in this girdle. Here's what he says in verse 1 and 2. Thus saith the Lord unto me, Go and get thee a linen girdle, and put it upon thy loins, and put it not in the water. In other words, Jeremiah was told to go get this girdle, wrap it around himself, but don't put it in the water. So I got the girdle according to the word of the Lord, and I wrapped it around myself, or I put it on my loins. Now here's the thing. The girdle upon the Lord of the loins was an expression of the close intimacy wherewith God had joined himself to Israel. In other words, just as that, uh, that girdle fit tightly around the loins of Jeremiah, God said, this is the closeness, this is the intimacy, this is the type of relationship I desire with my nation Israel. Look, the linen girdle was that inner garment, the one that was next to the skin. It wasn't the outer garment. The people of Israel had been to God as this girdle. 
God loved his people. He loved that closeness with his people. He caused them to cleave to him by the law that he gave to them and by the prophets that he sent to them. God continually reached out to draw them, you know, closer to himself and, and they continued to turn their backs on him in favor of other gods who corrupted them and drew them farther and further away from God. Look, so many people do not understand the intimacy with which God desires with his people. God desires intimacy with you. God desires intimacy with his people. God wants us just, he, he wants to just be wrapped around his people so close. Now, using the girdle as an example was God's way of showing that Israel was close to him spiritually as that inner garment was to the one who wears it. God was showing them the closeness, the intimacy. I believe that just as Jesus desired that close, intimate relationship, you know, with his people, Israel back then, I believe that God desires that same close, intimate relationship with his people even today. The problem is, it seems like people today does not want that intimacy. The people today does not want that closeness. They do not want God wrapped around them. They don't want that linen belt close to them. Those who want the blessings of God, but they don't want that intimacy with God. Because you know what? When we're close to God, we, we, we got to live like God desires us to live. And people don't want that. They want to be able to live the way they so desire. Now, the second thing I want you to see here, the result of removing God's intimacy from oneself is shown as Jeremiah removed that girdle. Let's take a look at this, verses 4 through 11. In verses 4 through 11, we see this word picture made clear to Jeremiah. Now, let's not forget, God had told him first, wrap it around you. He says, just as that girdle is wrapped around you and the closeness and the intimacy that is there, that's what I desire with my people Israel, Jeremiah. You tell them, that's what I want. I want this closeness. Now he gets to verse 4, and he gives him another word here. Before placing the girdle in the water, though, I want you to notice that Jeremiah had to remove it from his waist. Okay, look at verse 4. Take the girdle that thou hast gotten, which is upon thy loins, and arise and go to Euphrates and hide it there in a hole in the rock. Now God's word was, first, I want you to put this around you because I want to show you the intimacy. I want to show you the closeness that I desire with my people. Now, Jeremiah, I want you to take it off. I want you to go down to the river Euphrates. I want you to find a hole in the rock, and I want you to place that girdle in that rock. Now, understand this. The girdle, the linen that they wrapped around themselves, never simply falls off. The girdle could only be taken off by making a conscious effort to remove it from oneself. Now, there's a point there because we as the people of God don't just wake up one day and say, oh, no, God is no longer with me. A nation no longer wakes up one day and says, oh, no, God is no longer the God of this nation. You see, if God is no longer there, then it's because we've made the conscious decision to remove him from our presence. And that's what God was showing Jeremiah with this girdle. Jeremiah, it's not going to just fall off. 
if my intimacy, if my closeness is to come and be removed from the people of Israel, it's going to be a result of them removing it. Look, the, the, the water signified, as he was told to place it in the water, the water signified the moral filth of the people. You see, the nation of Israel had allowed themselves to slip into a moral cesspool of which they had become content. Look, when an individual, when a church, when a nation becomes content in the moral field, that individual, that church, or that nation is doomed for destruction. For years, we as a nation has da have danced around this moral cesspool of homosexuality, and Friday, we bailed right off into it. We have danced around this for years and years and years. But again, Friday, we jumped right off into that moral cesspool of homosexuality. Listen, moral filth will always mar the people of God. It will destroy the people of God. Look at verse 7. Now, God has done told him, take it all, put it in this hole, put it in the water. Again, the water signified the moral filth of the people. Now God tells him in verse 7, Then I went to the Euphrates, and I digged, and I took the girdle from the place where I had hid it, and behold, the girdle was marred. And look at these next words. And it was profitable for nothing. In other words, it could no longer be used. Now let's back up. God said, I want you to put this girdle around you because I want the people of Israel to understand the close intimacy that I desire with you. Then he said, now you take it off because it's not just going to fall off because the nation of Israel has removed themselves from me. I want you to place it in the water. Now he tells him to go get it out of the water. And when he does, it's good for nothing. It can no longer be used. Here's a very disturbing truth, church. When a nation, when the nation became marred, that nation was no longer profitable even to God. America must wake up. Listen, we're in a moral cesspool up to our eyeballs, and we're falling fast. There was a time that people living together outside of wedlock was not tolerated in our society. And they definitely didn't brag about it. Now it's just the opposite. People brag because, hey, we're living together. We're not make no commitments. You know, we're just doing our thing. There was a time that homosexuality was not tolerated in society. If you was a homosexual, you stayed in the closet with that sucker lock. There was a time that premarital sex was not tolerated within society. And if people were involved in premarital sex, they felt guilt and they felt shame over it. And there was a time that, that, that in your wildest dreams, you would have never imagined that the United States of America would say two people of the same sex has to be issued marriage license. Why is all of this taking place? 
Because, listen, we have been fundamentally transformed just as promised by, by Barack Hussein Obama. Hey, if there's one truth that man's ever told in his life, it was when he stood and looked in those cameras and said, I'm going to fundamentally transform America. You see, once marred, what we see is that girdle was no longer fit to be used. Look at verse 10. This evil people, now, isn't it amazing how they went from being his people to now evil people? This evil people, which refuse to hear my words, I think the inference is kind of there, if we refuse the word of God, we become evil people. This evil people, who, which refuse to hear my words, which walk in the imagination of their heart and walk after other gods to serve them and to worship them, shall even be as this girdle which is good for nothing. Church, how sad that God could look at a nation. How, God, how sad that God could look at a church. How sad that God could look at a person and say as a result of that person refusing to obey the words of God, as a, per, as a result of a person just uh, giving in to all the imagination of their heart, the evil imagination. How sad that God could look at people like this and say they're good for nothing. Now, I don't know about you, but that's disturbing words for me. That God could look at a nation and that God, I believe, is looking at a nation the nation of the United States of America, and saying these same words that he said to Judah, you're good for nothing. You've walked away from my word. You've removed my, my spirit from yourself. You're, you're going along with all the vain imaginations, whatever comes in your heart. You're an evil people, and you're no longer any value. You see, sliding off into a moral cesspool, folks, doesn't just happen. It happens for one reason, and that reason is when people walk away from God and his statue. I want to tell you, the United States of America has walked away from the word of God. It's walked away from the statutes of God. I believe that, that, that as a nation, we're in the moral cesspool in because we have forsaken God, Jehovah, for other gods, and as a result, we are no longer as a nation profitable for God. I believe when this nation was founded, I believe our founding fathers desired that we would have that same intimacy with God that Israel had. I believe that's why they founded our nation based upon the Word of God. Because they desired that we would have that. That, that is the whole premise of one nation under God. There was a time that we could boldly shout that from the rooftop. We are one nation under God. But you know what? Now, if you do, you're probably going to be labeled as a racist or intolerant of someone else who doesn't believe in the same God as you do. Don't say one nation under God. The, 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 the Muslims may get offended. Here's my opinion. The Muslims can go back 
to the Middle East. Because this is America. We are one nation under God. Not, you know, the Muslim God, not the God of Israel, not, you know, God Jehovah. And when people come to this nation, they need to understand, we are a nation under Jehovah. And if they can't accept it, don't come. It's that plain and it's that simple. No longer can we shout that from the rooftops because we're going to be labeled intolerant or we're going to be labeled racist because Allah may get upset. Poor Allah. Allah can stay over in the Middle East too. Look, you may hurt the feelings of someone who believes in Islam or who believes in Buddha. So in order to not offend anyone, let's just stay away from this idea of one nation under God. Look, we've traded the one true God for many other gods. And as a result, our relationship with Jehovah has been marred as a nation. Fifth thing here. This is a very disturbing thing here. Once marred, a nation's pride is no more. Now this is important. Look at verse 8 and 9. Once marred, a nation's pride is gone. There is no pride in that nation. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Thus saith the Lord, After this manner, Will I mar the pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem? Look, I fear this is where we are as a nation today. I fear for America. I fear for our young people. I fear for our children. I fear for our churches, folks. For the nation of Israel, that which they had gloried in, that which they were proud of would be no more. Their city would be burned. Their temple destroyed by the Chaldeans. Their kings, their princes, their nobles would be carried away into captivity into Babylon and they would be stripped of all their grandeur, all their honor and all their glory. They would have no more as a nation. Everything they prided themselves in would be gone, God told Jeremiah. Look, because we have turned to other gods in America, we are headed down that same path. We are no longer a nation that can pride ourselves into being a, as being a Christian nation. We, we, we are no longer a nation that can pride ourselves and say every nation in the world wants to model themselves after America. No more can we have that pride. We are no longer a nation, one nation under God, that being the Lord Jehovah. And God forbid if someone says a prayer in public and they end it in Jesus' name. The girdle was marred and it was profitable for nothing. Final thing is this. What, what is the solution then? It's one thing to throw all this stuff at you and say where we are. But what can we do about it? Let me offer you the solution here. Proverb writer said, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Righteousness is what will bring a nation back. Righteousness. But sin will always destroy a people. If sin brings reproach, then righteousness will exalt. 
And I believe America needs some exalting. But what can be done? And how can we do it? First of all, we must make the choice as Christians. We must make the choice as children of God to come out of the closet. Stop playing Christianity. We must come out of the filth of the world and we must be separate from this world. We've got to take a stand for righteousness, church. And that's what's not happening in the United States of America because we're afraid somebody's going to say we're intolerant. We're afraid we're not going to be politically correct. And look what it's done to our nation. Paul said this, Come out from among them and be you separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And if we do that, what's he say? I will receive you and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord God Almighty. Church, we've got to, we've got to break free from these chains that we're bound in as Christians. We are in chains. We are in bondage. We are the ones who are silenced. As I told you earlier, it's sad that less than 3% of the population of the United States can get something done like what happened Friday and evangelical Christians who are probably 75 or 80% of America can't get nothing done. Because we've got to begin to come out from among them, church. And we've got to begin to separate ourselves. Listen. This is not something that the politicians are going to lead out in. Trust me. The politicians are not going to lead out in bringing righteousness to this nation. And it's pretty evident that this is not something the legislators are going to do, is pass laws that will make us moral. That's pretty evident. This is something that's only going to happen when the children of God wake up and see the truth that we are not being salt and light to a dying nation. You know, if you've ever had a cut, if you ever had a wound and you put salt in it, it don't feel too good, does it? Especially if you rub that salt in just a little bit. Look here, it does, it, it, there's nothing wrong with Christians rubbing a little salt in the sin of this nation based upon the Word of God. Taking the word of God as salt, rubbing it in on that sin, calling sin what it is. There's nothing wrong with his Christians taking the word of God and shining a light on sin and saying, this is sin. It's not an alternate lifestyle. It's not something someone was just born to be. You, you, you do know that God makes mistakes. Did you know that? Oh, he don't? Well, Bruce Jenner said he did. Bruce Jenner said he was supposed to have been born a woman and God made a mistake and put him in a man's body. These homosexuals are saying God made a mistake. I, I mean, I, God made me this way. If this is sin, God made the mistake. No. We got to shine the light on the truth. The truth is homosexuality is a choice one makes. Just like one chooses to do drugs. Just like one chooses to be an alcoholic. Just like one chooses to be an adulterer or an adulteress. 
Just like one chooses to live together outside of marriage. Just like one chooses to have premarital sex. It's all a choice. And we've got to shine the light on that, folks, as Christians. As children of God, we must begin living as Christ if we're going to turn this nation around. We need to unpack Jesus from the closets of our life that we've hid him in. We need to fight to put Christ back in Christmas. We need to fight to put prayer back in our schools. We need to fight to put you know, uh, the Ten Commandments back in our courthouses. We need to fight to get God back in our government. We need to fight to get God back in our homes, in our churches, in our everyday lives. It's time, church, for those who dare call themselves disciples of Jesus Christ to make the, the decision of whom they're going to follow. Are they going to follow God in His Word? Are they going to follow this world and partake of the things in it? Who are you going to give your allegiance to is the question you have to ask yourself. Joshua had this to say. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you're going to serve. Rather, the gods of your fathers that you served on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as far as me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's where we're at right now, folks, as a nation. Who are the children of God going to serve? Who are they going to give their allegiance to? It's trying to draw a line in the sand and say enough is enough. If I hurt feelings, so be it. If I rub a little salt in a wound, so be it. So be it. Let me close with a word to those who are trapped in the sin of homosexuality. Now, I chose those words very carefully because a homosexual is trapped in that sin. You're there, and it's a sin. Though some would say, now some of you, are, I'm going to lose some of you here, but that's okay. But just stick with me. Some would say that their sin is a greater sin than any other sin. I don't believe that. I don't believe that the sin of homosexuality is greater than any other sin. Here's why. Because all sin separates us from God. And one don't put us any further separate from God than another. Sin separates us from God. So here's my point. Heterosexuals living together out of wedlock are sinning just as much as the homosexuals. Because that sin of living together out of wedlock has separated you from God. Heterosexuals who have premarital sex are sinning just like a homosexual. Heterosexuals who cheat on their spouse and commit adultery are sinning just as one involved in homosexuality. Now, my problem is twofold. And let me give you my twofold problem here. My problem is not with the homosexual personally. It's with the sin that they're involved in. Just as my problem with, homo, uh, with the heterosexuals who are involved in the sins I just mentioned above you know, I don't have a problem with them personally. It's the sin that they're involved in which violates God's word that I have a problem with. The second thing is this. 
My problem is with the five people who have just attempted to redefine. I guess legally they did redefine it, but you can't redefine God's law. But my problem is with the five who attempted to redefine God's design for marriage, one man and one woman. And my problem is also with those who call themselves born-again believers who have no problem with that. If you have the audacity to call yourself a Christian, a born-again believer of God, and you do not have a problem with what happened Friday morning, you have a spiritual problem. Now, here at Fairview, I've been here a little over 11 years. There's 11 years in February. And I, I kind of got to thinking back here, but we've had to deny membership. I come up with three different, three different uh, couples. We've had to deny uh, member, church membership to at least three different couples who were attending church here, who were just living together out of wedlock, yet they remained to be regular attendees at our church, and they ended up getting married, or at least two of those couples did, and they came out of that scene. My point there is this. Even though they were committing sin, living together out of marriage, we allowed them into our fellowship, we loved on them, we ministered to them, but they couldn't become members of the church, and we loved them through that. Two of the couples wound up getting married and became members of the church. We've also had to bring couples in and counsel them who were committing fornication, yet they continued to come to church and we helped them work out of that scene. We have had homosexuals visit our church, and though they're welcome within our church, the goal would be the same. They can't join and become members. But they're more than welcome to attend and allow us to love them and try to help them work through and out of that sin that so has them bound and trapped. You know what the good news is? No matter how far we have drifted from God, whether as an individual or as a nation, God is always standing there with his arms open for us to return. But just as the, the, the prophet intentionally took off the girdle, intentionally removed God from around him, intentionally walked away from the intimacy relationship, intimate relationship he had with God, we have to make that choice to come back to God. And if America is going to return to God, it's got to start right here. It's got to start in our churches. It's got to start with the people of God begin getting serious with the relationship with him. What about you? How concerned are you as if we as a nation are a dirty girl? And if you say, you know what, I agree with your word this morning, Pastor, we are a dirty girdle as a nation, then what are you going to do about it? Just make it personal. What are you going to do about it? Are you concerned enough to take a deep, hard look at yourself and be truthful with yourself as to if you're a part of the problem or rather you're a part of the solution? I submit to you that I believe in most churches in the United States of America today, most members of those churches are part of the problem rather than the solution because they're not willing to take a stand for righteousness. But, Pastor, we shouldn't hurt people's feelings. I mean, you know, why would we intentionally hurt someone's feelings? 
I don't want to intentionally hurt someone's feelings, but I'm not going to shy away from the Word of God just so someone's feelings don't get hurt. Maybe them getting their feelings hurt is the only thing that's going to wake them up. Do you see yourself as a marred girdle this morning? Let's get it personal now. Are you one who has walked away from the God? Are you one that's walked away from his word? Are you, the one, are you one who has removed his intimacy from around your loins? And you've placed it in this moral cesspool as he placed it in the water? And right now you're good for nothing for God because you're not being used of God. You see, if you're not being used of God, it's because you're no longer in that intimate relationship with him. So what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do? I want to just offer a couple of challenges here as we close this morning. If you're here and, first of all, you're not saved, you've never invited Jesus Christ into your heart as your personal Savior, we're fixing to give you an opportunity to do that. We're going to stand in a moment and sing a song, and we just want to invite you to come. Let us get you with an altar counselor. Let them take you in this room, one of these rooms here, and let them share the gospel. But if you're a child of God, I want you to examine yourself this morning. And ask yourself, am I one of those dirty girdles who I'm just of no value to God anymore because I'm no longer in his word, I no longer have a prayer life, I'm not involved in ministry, I'm of no value to God. God help us if we get to the point we're of no value to God and we're profitable for nothing. If that's the case, you need to be down at this altar this morning crying out to God to use you again. I appreciate all those who came to the altar where we all opened this morning and, and, and cried out to God for our nation, but maybe you just need to come do that again. Maybe you need to come to the altar this morning and say, God, what would you have me to do to, to move our nation back to you? Whatever needs here this morning, church membership, whatever, we're going to give you that opportunity.